Welcome into the Paul Farrington Show, our Week 8 Reaction Show. Paul, joined alongside Jack Weinberger, Robert Ziggy Ziegler at the University of Virginia, and Zach Bloomquist, the best executive producer in the game. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe to our channel if you can. We just got to 1,700 subscribers, so we're pretty excited about that and chasing down 2,000 right now. We'll see how long it'll take to get there, but uh, we've been enjoying the season so far. That's the only thing I've been enjoying so far this season. Don't worry. This, This show will take a turn in about two minutes. But first, another congratulations to Jack, who has hit five straight caps of the week. Thanks. Uh, an I, unprecedented streak. Actually, not for you, but for most people, it would be an unprecedented streak. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Uh, al- six, allegedly, seven. allegedly, you said you have another guarantee oh, I have, for this Saturday. I have my cap lock of the year on Saturday night. Cap so lock of the year. Hopefully, the, whoever was that, uh, that guy who said the Beavers went in the Pac-12 and he's fading me, I hope he, I hope he listens to the show. I, well, yeah, he, he said, I, didn't he say, like, no offense, Jack, but I'm, I'm going Beavers in this he said, one? No, he's, no he's, he said, he's done fading this cap, Jack, going with Beavers. I'm like, fade at your own risk. Yeah, yeah well, been, no uh, offense, but you just lost a crap ton of money to the Jack cap of the week. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're not the first victim. You're not the first victim. And not only did the money line, not, I'm sorry, not only did the spread hit, but the money line would have with Arizona actually winning the game. I feel I, like you've had a couple now money line hits, right? I also had the, uh, I had Arizona on an alternate line of minus four. And they were up by ten, and OSU scored at like thirty seconds left. So that was kind of disappointing. But OSU, but nonetheless, yeah, the real OSU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, Arizona gets the dub. Another another win. So this is five in a row, and we're on the year six and three or five and six, six and three. three, six and three, five in a row. Should be eight and one. Should be eight and one. We always yeah. talk about those two that got away earlier in the year, but the cap is on fire. And college basketball, oh my, the oh, hardwood hammers. Three. I always tell my buddy who works at FanDuel, he's like, dude, your uh, your college football odds makers, they're they don't know what they're doing. No, no, no. The college basketball season, though, if, if you want to make money, what, 70% last year? Yeah, it's about 68%. Yeah. Yeah. The hardwood hammer is uh, better than the cap of the week somehow. It's, oh, yeah. Buckle up. Buckle if up. If you can believe that. We have a, a a somber, but we have a fun show today. We have a fun show today. It'll start somber. Then it gets It'll fun. start somber. The uh, <laughs> We're going to talk about the best team in the AFC right now because there are a lot of really really good teams record-wise and how they're playing on the field right now. We each are going to present to Zach our best team in the AFC, and we'll see who Zach picks. Well, we know who Zach will pick, but we'll see who Zach (laughs) thinks gives a good argument for best team in the AFC. Will Levis had... Who do do you think he picks? Who do you think Zach picks? I don't know. I mean, could you throw yourself on camera real quick? I wonder who he's going to pick based on... That appearance. Sorry, continue. continue. He looks like a Bills fan. Yeah, maybe the Bills. Well, the Bills are his father. Yeah. Will Levis had a great game. Which means Jack and I have to fulfill a bet. You might notice these coffee mugs on the table. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> no one's looking forward to what is about to come. Uh, then we're also going to talk 49ers Bengals. Uh, big win for the Bengals. I'm pretty sure I loaned Wolf that pick, by the way. I'm pretty no, sure. No, no, no. Somebody else. Had the... that was, that was really? You were a lone wolf. wolf. I mean, you know, you see, I see things. That was a lucky pick. I see things. And uh, we'll start with Kirk Cousins, though. And let, let me just say, before getting into this really somber part, if you guys. Ever have the chance, you have to go to an Indian wedding. I went to one this weekend. Oh, my God, what a fun time. My cousin rode in on a horse. They tried to get an elephant, but the hotel said no. But just, I mean, drums and dancing and singing and just an unbelievable time at these weddings. There's a movie. I forget what it's called, but I think Jennifer Lopez is in it. And there's a scene where there's an Indian wedding. And they have all the outfits and they ride in on the, the animal. Oh, it, it was looks, incredible. It looks like a blast. It, it was so much fun. My, uh, yeah, congratulations to my, my cousin Dean and Arthi, his new wife. So, and hello to uh, 
Okay. Sister, sister more. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I continue. I thought you were going to talk about one of my other cousins. Here we, here we, yeah, here we I are. I want her to hello to Nicole as well. <laughs> Jack, Jack is too close to my family. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's get off of this. <laughs> how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to read this nice letter to Kirk Cousins now? Uh, continue, when, continue, when you're, you're hitting on my family. All right, you have a, you have a good looking family. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. okay. <laughs> Do they watch this podcast? Thank God they don't. Yeah, okay. Thank God they don't. Maybe we'll cut that. This will be the one they watch. So, yeah. Kirk Cousins, a uh, really sad day as a Vikings fan this past Sunday. And I just remember six years ago, after the magical 2017 season in Minnesota with the Minneapolis Miracle, 13 and 3, championship game appearance, uh, Case Keenum became a fan favorite. Teddy Bridgewater was also on the team at that time, another fan favorite, probably the best quarterback uh, in terms of like the fan appeal since Dante Culpepper, Brett, really Brett Favre in 2009. But that offseason, we go ahead and bring in Kirk Cousins, which was a very controversial move, both from the fan standpoint and within the organization. But we were taking our swing at the Super Bowl when we did that. And I remember talking with people, you guys, during that first year saying, man, I like Kirk but I don't feel the same connection that I felt with Case Keenum or Teddy. Um, and that year had a lot of ups and downs. But the one thing that started to turn me more towards Kirk is how the media viewed him. It was always, he can't win in prime time. He chokes in big games. His numbers are inflated. Um, but Kirk would always, as he's done his entire career, he says the right thing, puts his head down, goes to work, does it with a smile on his face. It's easy to become a fan of that guy. And for Vikings fans... He really did become our guy. Um, we would say how well he would play. No one would give him the credit he deserved, but we had his back. Uh, and in his second year, if you guys remember that game going down into New Orleans, you know how much I hate the Saints. When he went and beat them in the wild card round, a 13-3 and Drew Brees-led team, that was one of those moments for me. Like Viking, The Vikings don't do that. And that was one of the best games Kirk ever played as a Viking. I just remember that sticking out to me. Um, but wild here, card game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, wild game. It was yeah. awesome. But over the past two years now, it's the best football I think we've seen from Kirk Cousins in his entire career. We talk about last year's 13-4 and four team, 11-0 and in one-score games. We've said it. That team would struggle to win five games if anyone else were leading the way. That was not a great football team, but they made fantastic plays time after time again and rallied around Kirk Cousins. You could see that with the chains and everything. Um, that team loved him. And this year at 1-4, and four, your season should be over. But Kirk takes his level... He's played to another level. MVP performances. Uh, he's playing like a top five quarterback, I think, over the past couple of weeks. And it was the best Kirk Cousins I'd ever seen, regardless of time in Washington, Minnesota. And since the documentary came out, I think that's the first time you started to see a glimpse of people saying, oh, okay, yeah, maybe Kirk Cousins is actually really good. Like maybe there's a side to him that we haven't given credit to. And it just sucks for a guy that takes so many hits. You saw it in the documentary. Time after time, he would get pounded and always come back in. Never missed a game due to injury. To see it happen, non-contact Achilles was really just sickening. I, I feel bad for Kirk. I feel bad for his family, the Vikings players, Vikings fans. Um, but I'll end it with this here. When we were growing up, you know, you had Big Ben as like your franchise quarterback. Our Giants fans, um, who we grew up in Jersey, had Eli Manning. Some Pats fans we knew had Tom Brady. Vikings fans didn't really have that. Teddy Bridgewater, it looked like, was getting close. But then that fell apart, too. So Kirk Cousins really became, at least for me, 
the quarterback of my youth or the end of my youth. And, you know, I think Kirk made it. I was proud to be a Vikings fan with Kirk Cousins leading the way. Um, the way he carried himself on and off the field was really incredible. And I hope it's not the last time we saw him in purple this past weekend, but I'll be a fan of his wherever he goes on or off the field. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Kirk, because you've meant a lot to Vikings fans and hope to see you back soon. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a shame because as you touched on, he was playing not only the best football of this some, somewhat young season, but the best of his career. Minnesota was starting to look like a team. I was like, okay, this team can make some noise in the NFC playoffs. He followed up the best game of the season against San Francisco with arguably, as a team, a better game now in Green Bay. Yeah, Gets the team to 4-4, four and four, almost 300 yards passing, three touchdowns before going down. And it's, it's, it was terrible to see. It really was, it was. It was an awful thing to see. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Real quick, I just wanted to add on to Jack's statement there. We talked about at the start of this season how the Vikings very well could end up being a better team this year with a worse record than last season. And a lot of people found that confusing. But last year's team, 13-4, and there were a lot of lucky plays. There was a lot of luck that went into it. It was was skill, of course. You know, great last-second wins. But there's a certain degree of luck involved in that. This year, the past two weeks, are the best the Vikings have played over the past two seasons. And that's what makes it so disappointing is that for the first time now in two years, it was like, wait a second, the defense is sort of figuring it out. Addison's getting involved. Justin Jefferson going down has opened the door actually for Addison to become a playmaker in this offense. And it felt like everything was clicking. This was the most confident I was in the Vikings. I I said on Sunday, I freaking said two hours before it all fell apart when we were mauling Green Bay. I looked at my dad and said, it it could be on. The... The Super Bowl could be on. And with, look at your upcoming schedule. <laughs> oh, I know. It's the Falcons, the Saints, San Francisco the Broncos, lost. the Bears, the Raiders. In their past three games, only one team has given up fewer points than the Vikings, and that's the Giants. Things were finally starting to click, and this is about Justin Jefferson. The offensive line was finally fixed. Kirk Cousins hadn't been on an injury report in literally a decade. Week one of 2013 was the last time Kirk Cousins was on an injury report. I don't mean missing games or playing hurt. I mean on a report. So I don't know. Kirk Cousins was finally shaking off the mediocre labels, the average labels, the can't play in primetime labels from everyone except I think literally our executive producer. But uh, (laughs) here's what you're going to see. You are going to see how much this Vikings team. Hold on. Let me just put out there one more time. Mr. Adam. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Now, now it's perfect. Well, right. so, you know, if you think Kirk Cousins was Mr. Average, watch what happens to this team with Kirk Cousins gone and Jaron Hall or Carson Wentz or Case Keenum. Or, you know, you'll find out tomorrow whoever's replacing him. You are going to find out what an average quarterback does on this team. Do you guys think... So right now, I know Jameis Winston rumors are flying around. What's the best option for the Vikings to go with? Because I don't want to bring in... I don't want to try and make a move for Tannehill. I don't want to bring in a Nick Foles or a Matt Ryan, whoever it may be. It feels to me like you can you can swing for the fences and try and try and go after a guy like Kyler, but I don't think I want to give up draft capital given the state of this team. What I would do if I were the Vikings, if you can get Winston or someone like that on a cheap in a cheap trade, okay, go for it. But overall, I'd probably throw out Jaron Hall and see what he could do for the season. 
hope Kirk Cousins can recover for next year and you draft a quarterback in the first round of the draft or second round of whoever you like this year and then give that guy another year behind Kirk. It's it's, it's a little it's a little out there because you're hoping a 35-year-old soon to be 36 by the time we get to next season, Kirk Cousins is healthy enough. But with the way people have been recovering from injuries lately, I feel pretty good about it. The way Kirk Cousins handles himself, um, we, we all saw in the documentary just how good a physical condition he's in. So I, I that's what the way I would lean is roll with Hall, see what happens. But I'd rather take a risk on him than bring in someone like, you know, Tannehill or Foles or Wentz, who we know is not going to probably will not get the job done. For me, there's two options. I'd I would probably stick with Jaron Hall. Drafted him for a reason. It's a it's a difficult situation because you're sitting there at four and four. You're not in an all out rebuild, but you don't necessarily want to trade players away either but like i said before your upcoming schedule it's easy it's the falcons the saints the broncos the bears the raiders jaron hall coming out of byu you know all the, all the, the pre-draft stuff you like the combine a lot i like him so do others the, his 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 pros are his above average arm good ball placement pocket patience justin jefferson is coming back soon and i believe that there's no harm right now in giving Jaron Hall a shot and seeing what he can do. I think he can captain this offense well enough in the near future against the schedule with JJ, with Addison, and with Hawkinson. I lean to sticking with Jaron Hall. Then the other thing I would consider is you have a lot of fifth and sixth round future picks. Maybe you can go get a guy for cheap Maybe a guy like Case Keenum, who's been with Kevin O'Connell, who's taken Minnesota to the NFC Championship game before. That's what I would do. I'd stick with John Hall or go get Case Keenum from Houston. What would you do, Ziggy? I'm not trading for a guy unless I think he's either going to win us the Super Bowl or is the quarterback yeah, of the future. Too. So I think that rules out every trade option except Kyler Murray, who at least, like, I'm not saying he wins the Super Bowl, but he might be the quarterback of the future. That's not going to happen. So that leaves only one option left. Kevin O'Connell calls up his old teammate, yeah. a player who he practiced with, a player who he knows intimately. Cole McCoy. Tom Brady. <laughs> they were teammates on the Patriots. He can come in with the Vikings have an offensive line. Imagine how many yards Justin Jefferson puts up with Tom Brady. I mean, I think yeah, that, that's the clickbait title yeah, for the yeah, segment. Yeah, it's it not is. happening. <laughs> I think as a Vikings fan, I just sort of have to accept as much as it's painful. The season's kind of over. Yes. Right. When we were building momentum, this is the Minnesota thing, right? We don't suck. We give you hope and then take it away. Oh, Zig, right. As the hope on, was on starting Sunday, to going into Sunday, I said to my dad and my brother, this is the perfect example of a Viking game where after a huge win against San Francisco, where they looked unbelievable on Monday night football, they would go and lay a goose egg against the Packers. But you mauled them. And no, no, yeah. What the Vikings found a way to do was to find the real worst case scenario. Yeah. Which was maul Green Bay and have Kirk tear his mother Achilles. Yeah. That was yeah. yeah that was the, 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 the drop that was from the worst. Yeah. If you had told me when Jordan Addison scored to go up twenty four to three that it was going to be my worst day ever as a Vikings fan, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> Yeah, and it's sure enough, non-contact, like you know, these I guess these things happen. It was just Kirk Cousins' superpower was his availability his whole career, and but stinks. If if Vikings fans, as they should, as you just mentioned, should probably chalk this season up with you know 
any expectations at all. Oh no! Now, now, now it's you can't have expectations. Yeah. So anymore. what? What is the harm in rolling with Jaron Hall and seeing what he's got? No, that's the, yeah. That's the, that's the thought. The worst thing in the world is okay. He gets some NFL experience. Yeah. No. No. The, the worst case scenario is it's not even the worst case. If we just, if he just stinks and they get rolled, which I don't think will happen anymore, because Brian Flores just turned the defense around. They're doing. They're playing really good football right now. It literally the entire team is playing awesome. It was just Kirk Cousins was making so many plays for them. I mean, he was perfect the past, like really most of this year, he's been almost perfect that you're asking for a lot from Jaron Hall to step in as a rookie now, but there is a chance still that they could get to a wild card. I totally agree. And I I just don't think it's worth, I mean, if you could get a guy really cheap, like you were saying for Keenum or someone, if you really don't believe in Hall, that's okay. Like you can go and make an attempt. I I still don't think that Keenum's good enough to elevate them to a Super Bowl team. So I'd rather roll the dice and see. Yeah, may, maybe you hit with this pick, um, and we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, a really tough blow to the Viking season, right when it felt like I was finally enjoying football again. You as well, Ziggy, and it's like oh, all right, well, we'll see what happens. But it's been an encouraging two weeks for the Vikings in general, just playing better football. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to mention the Packers here. They looked bad on Sunday. No yeah. ifs, ands, or buts. They got mauled. Yeah. The Vikings were head and shoulders above them. And Jordan Love, 24 for 41, 229 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But another week of more negatives than positives. And they had an opportunity. Kirk went down with eight minutes left in the game. They drove down into the red zone, and they could not score. The Vikings defense held them time and time again. You would think that that was an opportunity to go for a team that's been so good in the second half and seize control of that game. But once again, the four red zone trips, they only scored on one of them. I I walked away saying, wow, if I were a Packers fan, I am, I'm really discouraged from that. And I, on the last episode with the chill pill segment, yep. was doing all I can to defend Jordan Love. And yet here it comes and gives me, gives me more reason not to. And it was especially that last six minutes when they still had a shot. They got to the red zone and couldn't score. Then they turned Minnesota over. Okay, another shot, and they couldn't score again. And it's just like the, the throws he made, is just it was to the wrong again, person. Three points in the first half. Yeah. Again, they, they can't he, score. He just doesn't. The decision-making right now is just so bad. The accuracy is not good. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Ziggy, what, what was your takeaway from the Packers' point of view? Bye-bye, Jordan Love. No, come on. See you never. <laughs> like, like, I know we're being no, no, hard. No, 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 look, if you thought Jordan Love was the Packers, I'm being serious here. If you thought he was the quarterback of the future, obviously he's finishing out the year. I'm not saying they're benching it. But the Packers this offseason will be scouting every single quarterback in the draft. It is extremely likely they will have a record where they're picking top 10 and can take one. And Jordan Love's time in Green Bay will come to an end in the middle of next season. See, I'm not going. I know we've been kind of bouncing back and forth on Jordan Love. Like, oh, get rid of. Like, they should nah, get rid he's of him. Done. Oh, <laughs> All right. So Ziggy, Ziggy's had enough. I, I'm not moving off of what I said last week, where you have to keep giving. He has the season. We know I'm, he has the full season yeah. to show that he can be the quarterback of the future, to earn the trust of them, not to have to go out and get someone next year. But as it stands right now, the Packers would be picking six overall in the draft, and we're seeing the same mistake. So I woke up to a video on Twitter of Dan Orlovsky talking about Jordan Love like being off balance when he throws, bouncing in the pocket, not being ready to throw when his receiver's coming out of his route or when his receiver is breaking open on a go route. Like he's he's a little too delayed 
And I think that's still coaching. Like, LaFleur has to coach him up. And maybe at some point it's a Jordan Love problem. Uh, and we're not inside the Packers' facilities. We don't know. But, yeah, it, it is starting to get to the point in the season where you're saying, soon you need to flip the switch. Because now it's been multiple weeks in a row of disappointing performances. And we still do acknowledge that Christian Watson has not stepped up the way we expect him to. He's been a little banged up. Romeo Dobbs has just been okay. There's no Devontae Adams there. In Green- <laughs> there is no Devontae Adams in Green Bay. A uh, little avatar reference right there. But the uh, overall, the Packers offense has been really disappointing. There's no one who it feels like can hurt you. Yeah, I don't believe that the receiver talent is... It's not helping. It's good at all. Yeah, it, it really is a tough situation. As I said last week, it's not easy for him because this Green Bay Packers team yeah. as a whole stinks. But going back to Jordan Love, like I just said, he seems incapable right now, for the most part, of making a proper read or not throwing into coverage. It's like, what what is he doing? It's very questionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, we said it last week, the, the, you know, the clock is on for everyone in the NFL, but when you're the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, you have to start to perform, and he's got the season. In my eyes, you know, he has the full season. Go ahead, turn it around, but another week now where it's, all right, this Vikings is like he's waving goodbye. Saying goodbye. And you know what? Yeah. I just want to also make it clear, like, to Packers fans, um, yeah, we whooped their ass. Like, that's exactly what oh, we yeah. said would happen. And uh, I feel great about it. But at what cost? I feel great about it. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So you guys actually probably win the war here. <laughs> oh, that sucked. Bengals 49ers. Look, the takeaway from this game is plain and simple for me. People are getting all over Brock Birdie, but... This was so miserable to watch for me. Joe Burrow is back. That's the takeaway right here. 28 for 32, 283 yards, four touchdowns, completed 19 straight passes at one point. And when Joe Burrow is back, that makes the Bengals a top three contender in the AFC, no matter what. Uh, this, This team, what I noticed was Joe Burrow looked very comfortable again in the pocket, comfortable running. You saw him make a few big plays with his legs, finish the day six carries for 43 yards. First drive of the game, he avoids the Nick Bosa sack, rolls out right. I know you guys know the play I'm talking about. Yeah. And he finds, I believe it was T. Higgins for a first down. Even Jamar scored. Chase. And yeah, they scored, scored on that drive. Later. Even Jamar Chase said, I was like, damn, that's a tough mother effort. So when Joe Burrow, that swagger's back, you see him banging his head on or his helmet. It's uh, it, it's a dangerous time to be a fan of an AFC team. This was just so brutal watching my Steelers get rolled over by Jacksonville at home, losing Pickett, and then watching Cincy go on the road and beat a team who beat us by thirty in our home stadium. Yeah, uh, and Burrow, fairly easily too. Yeah, fairly, they dominated them. Burrow was amazing. The offensive line was amazing against one of the better D lines in the league, who has been struggling. I'll admit that. But the Bengals line was fantastic. Opened up holes for Mixon to run. They kept Burrow upright. I believe just three sacks the entire game. Uh, and it was just it was tough for me to watch. Hasn't it, Jamar Chase looked unbelievable the past few weeks? Yeah. And the Bengals defense, too. <laughs> the Bengals D was awesome. Mike Hilton had his stats. I, I I don't have them off the top of my head, but he was just, go look at the game Mike Hilton had. I, the Bengals have come back. Since we, since we said they were dead at 1-3, I mean, they have looked and look really good deep down inside. We I kind of knew this entire we time because last year they were zero two. There's just so much talent. Joe Burrow is amazing, and now when their defense is forcing three turnovers in the last fifty last fifty minutes of the game as well, that's a wrap. You had no chance yeah. to beat them then. 
Last week, we talked about complete performances and how it felt like teams in the AFC, despite there being a lot of talent, you hadn't seen a whole lot of those games. Joe Burrow certainly going to uh, Levi Stadium and lighting up the 49ers. He had four incompletions. The defense had three turnovers. Against, I get that some of the shine's wearing off on Brock Purdy, but it's not as though he's been a turnover machine up to this point. Like, that's still a good offense. I'm scared of this Cincinnati team. They might be the best team in the AFC after this. This is three in a row now. Yeah. Won three games in a row. Well, nothing said that Joe Burrow was back more to me than when the lead was cut to 24-17 with about eight minutes left in the game. And on the road against what a lot of people say is one of the best defenses in football, they go on a 10-play, 78-yard drive, eating up a little over five minutes and punching in with Mixon at the end. That's what the Bengals do. And we're seeing that again. So yeah, I think that uh, I think that you're you guys are are totally screwed. No, what? Well, hold on. You said you said this is a week to week reaction. It is the NFL is a is so, a week to week reaction sport. But you know what? When I was like, oh crap, was when he took a shot from Fred Warner and leaps right back up and looks all pumped up. Yeah, Chase, you Chase didn't like, see that. Chase is like, that's that's my QB. Let's go. You didn't see that at the beginning I, of the no, season. No, yeah, you didn't. They was kind of dead and flat, but I'm like, shoot, this is the Bengals now. Yeah. They're the three, three games in a row, winning record. They're Isn't back. it crazy how it's just you flip a switch in this league? And look, if Jaron Hall comes out and throws for 400 yards next weekend, it's like, oh. Oh, he's, he's you, yeah, he's like, your quarterback. Oh, oh, it's on. Super Bowl's on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you have something to say there, Ziggy? I was going to say, just since we're – we're enjoying the Bengals offense here. You know how many missed tackles they forced against the 49ers this week? No, I didn't see it. 13. And it's not as though this 49ers defense can't tackle, right? I mean, this is one of the surer tackling defenses in the NFL. So yeah, Bengals are back. On the other hand, the 49ers, I think it's time to start getting a little bit concerned about when this slide is going to stop. That's a, a great transition from one of the best in the business. What made them unbeatable, San Francisco? They had a great defense that could shut you down, and they didn't turn the football over. Brock Purdy basically made no mistakes. And now over the past few weeks, the defense allowed to Cousins and Burrow, in particular to Cousins and Burrow, 67 for 77, 661 yards, 8.6 yards per attempt. The pass rush has been bad. Um, the, the, the secondary has been bad. Steve Wilkes is now having 49ers fans down his throat. Despite like Brock Purdy, I actually thought Purdy throughout the day looked looked okay. Like he, I didn't think he was horrible in this game. Like some people did, he was making plays on the run. It was really that final quarter where he turned the ball over three times, and you're saying well, quarter and I guess a minute of the third. But I thought like the Purdy, Vikings game, yeah. right? Yeah, you know he plays really well for the first three quarters. He puts you in a position to win, and then unfortunately, when it matters most and the defense is the most prepared, he couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, makes but, one of those like these aren't plays where he's throwing some incompletions where the, that the receivers are dropping. These are back breaking mistakes. Oh, they're crushing. I mean, Brock Purdy did throw for almost 400 yards. I didn't think he looked as bad as a lot of people are saying as well. But he at last three games has looked more like he's a young 23 year old kid who was picked last in the draft. Yeah. Yes. And with the turnovers in particular. Two turnovers against Minnesota, or two picks against you guys, two picks against the Bengals. And the and fumble. I the was, and the, yeah, and the fumble. But to me, I felt that at some point that was going to happen. Like there was going to come a point where he's had a stretch where he doesn't look like an absolute robot, like an absolute machine. And I, their schedule is kind of tough. Like 
they, is a they, it is. It's they tough. go to Jacksonville. They go to Philly. They play Baltimore. They go to Seattle still. And the cause for concern is is that because now Brock Purdy has shown okay. I'm a human. He's I'm like Drago. Like, it's like yeah. he bleeds. Like, right? I'm a human. I bleed. I'm still young. Our schedule's kind of tough, but this team is too good not to figure themselves back out and to bounce back. So I'd limit the panic a little bit on San Francisco. I, I completely agree. And I think we can take a little bit of experience from the Bengals situation where at one and three, we were going, yeah, this team's in a lot of trouble. They're in hot water and they turn it around. This The 49ers right now, I'm not panicking because... The entire roster, like you said, is loaded with superstars. And Brock Purdy, he hasn't been great. Or I'm sorry, yeah, he hasn't been great, but he, I don't think he's sucked the past few weeks. He's been he hasn't been good, but he hasn't sucked. And and I, I do think that he'll he'll be fine. I would really be okay as a 49er fan right now. If they lose the next two, yeah, then maybe uh <laughs> if they lose another yeah. one next week, yeah, maybe I'll start to change my tone. But, but I'm fine uh, right now. But I'll say this, right? Brock Purdy is not Joe Burrow. And he doesn't have to be, but if the 49ers want to stop things from sliding, it's going to be on people other than Brock Purdy. It's going to be on the defense. It's going to be on Debo coming back. It's going to be on some of the offensive skill position players doing a little bit more. That's what they're going to need to break this trend. The defense, what's more concerning to you right now, the defense or Brock Purdy's play over the past three weeks? For me, it's the defense. Brock Purdy is just going to make mistakes. That's inevitable. His initial pace wasn't something you could rely on, but he still played okay for almost every drive he's been in. It's just a couple mistakes. Meanwhile, the defense, I mean, I get that Joe Burrow's good, but they're coming in scoring 16 points a game and you give up, what, 34? They're coming in scoring 250 yards. Now they get like 400 Like, you just have to do better as a defense. And with Wilkes and the players not looking aggressive, playing out of position on the back foot every play, it's going to be tough. God, I'm going to, like, cry thinking about how good Kirk looked against them. I mean, a stretch where Brock Purdy wasn't a well-oiled machine was coming. But what does he make? 800K a year, and and he he lives with a roommate still in an apartment? He's allowed to look vulnerable. It was going to happen. But this San Francisco Niners front is paid like they should get a sack on every single play. Oh, and they've, they've been and they have bad. been horrendous. So that is my main concern. But again, way too good up there where it's not going to come back around. All right. So we're all holding off on the panic button right now. <laughs> you know, I made an impulse Kirk Cousins t-shirt purchase today. I, I, I logged on this morning. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm writing like I'm searching up things and writing down notes for our show. And I'm like, God, I, I love this guy. I, I, awesome. and I, I was thinking, I'm like, I need a jersey. I don't really want a jersey. So let me let me look for a shirt. And I got this shirt of Kirk. It's from, uh, how do you pronounce Homage or Homage? Homage, right? It's a Homage. I think it's Homage. I think you say the H. Do you say the H, Ziggy? I, yeah, you say the H. It's Homage. Oh, Homage. Yeah. So I, was, I, I, I question <laughs> You went to Notre I Dame. Question, I, I question it. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, from it's it's well, it depends on whether you're British or not, right? But I usually use British pronunciations. So okay, so what's the American pronunciation? Homage, homage. All right, homage. I'm not. Oh. We're not in England, guys. We're in no, America. I think I think England is is homage, like homage. Well, that's. I think I yeah. might. I don't know. Is that Australian? Homage. The website's homage. We're disregard disregarding the name of the brand. Is there such thing as a silent H? Homage. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that exists. I think it's homage. I don't You're think you're delusional. Are All right, we'll have to. Ziggy, you have <laughs> Google Translate. Put it in the comments. Put it in the comments. Yeah. Did you say. You, you, of course you can have a silent H. No, I mean, yeah, you can. I thought I only certain like, about that. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. 
No, no, but I mean like being the first letter of the alphabet. Like I don't think the H can be silent being the first letter of the alphabet. I think only like four letters are. Well, Do you say hair? No, you say air. Oh, like air to the throne. Oh, I, I was talking like H A. I, I, thought, I, thought yeah, I just watched the Jordan movie on the plane. Really good, by the way. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? Pterodactyl. He, he probably says honor. Pterodactyl starts with a P. That's an H. No, wait, it's an H. <laughs> no, 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 honor no, 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 starts no, no. with H. No, no, no. I know. I was just going off of like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Let me go. Let me just let me just finish this. I bought a shirt with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Running on the field, it's a it's a cartoon, and he's got the chains on. And it says skull. It's just an amazing. It says Kirko on the side, like Kirko chains. And uh, God, I'm gonna miss that guy. Definitely. Hopefully next too year. Too expensive he's back. of a shirt, but hopefully next year he's back. I'll wear it next episode. Jack, do you I'm, say Howard? No. Oh uh, yeah, miles per hour. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we have um. Well, Jack and I have a very unfortunate task that we have to accomplished right now because last week we said when we found out will levis was playing we did not believe he would win the game i Nobody can't remember how it, critical we were of him uh, we, we weren't big fans of levis coming into the draft but we just also expected you know first game a lot of rookies don't win those first games they look bad um, the falcons haven't been a great team this year but they've been beating teams that they should beat and the titans probably fell into that category with a first <laughs> a first game starter in will levis so we said, okay, you know what? If uh, Will Levis wins this game, we will drink coffee with mayonnaise in it. You no know? one in the comments held us to it, though. No one did, but we said it. Well, Ziggy and Zach held us to it, yeah. which, which is rightfully so. So we have to, you know, you know, after going 19 for 29, 238 yards and four touchdowns and uh, <laughs> looking really, really good, we do owe it to Will Levis to try out... Uh, this Hellman's light mayo. Well, look, you like coffee, it's a right? Black coffee. I do. Coffee's good. Mayo's good. It can't be that bad when you mix them. I don't. I don't. I like mayo, but I in the coffee. All right, so here we go. This also the best. Hellman's is the best brand. It's it is the best. It's the best brand. It is. It is, and we didn't have the squeeze mayo, yeah. so we we're, we had to go spoon. Uh, what's also unfortunate about this is we poured the coffee before the show, so now the coffee's also you can cold. See this it? Is, how much? How much do you think I have to put in here? How much? Put oh, a glob. That's, that's a little too much. Put a spoon. Put a glob. That's a lot. Well, Will Levis, look, look, Will Levis won, that, man. That's a lot of mayo. No, Will, Will, Will Levis won. That was spoonfuls eat, good. What do you think? Spoonfuls good. Oh my God. I think that uh, eating mayonnaise is immoral. All right, I'm going to put... Th this is going in. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe... Oh, this is gross. Hey, maybe this com this video gets us on the Titans comment. Oh, God. Right, well, let me stir that up. Oh, dude, it doesn't even like... It's just like... It's not dissolving? Not it's as much as it cold. should be. All right, whatever. I'm stirring it up, and I have a light coffee now. Let's so we're taking that. what? We're taking a sip, or are we like downing this? I'm, I'm taking a sip. Taking I'm a not sip. Downing this. You're downing it. Not one. Oh. oh man. <laughs> yeah, stir that up. Stir that up for yourself. Right. So, in podcast, I, I, I'm just watching this. I might puke. In podcast for I have an upset stomach today too, partially from the Indian wedding that I mentioned at the top of the the broadcast. I'm also going an hour 60 of a hangover as well. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. Oh, okay, yeah, it's like, so, oh, oh. No, it's like mixed in, but there's still glass. just waited to pour it. What was the difference? I didn't want to spill. spill okay. what? So there, there, yeah, just keep your spoon in there. Jack just keep, spit just on, keep your spoon there. Jack spit on All the right. line before. Here we go. So, yeah. I'm not sure I can watch. Fuck. <laughs> Cheers. I'm All in right. for it. Here we go. To Will. To Will. How does it even taste like anything? I can't taste it. I think Paul likes it. That's really good. 
That's really, really, really Holy good. Shit. Maybe this is the Will Levis. What's that? Uh, I might, I might just add a little is, more. Is, is this the secret stuff for for, for, for Will? Hold on, let me take this another sip. Secret stuff. Hold on, let me take another sip. Uh, there's take a, a real sip, Paul. There's, you were baby. There's man. a glob sitting here. Can I got that spoon for a second. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna try this one more time. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I don't want to do this. All right. Where was this all my life? Ziggy, where was this all my life? All right, hold on. I'm going to give an accurate review here. Take a real sip. I think it's really good. It's 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 fine. It tastes like coffee with a little... Uh, a little kick. There's a little kick. It's like, you know what it is? I, I don't want a glob going down I my... You slurp it to the mic. I don't know if they believe you. They, they didn't hear a sound. Well, I can attest. I can attest. You sipped. Okay, I got some of the mayo on that one. No, no, but you it's, know it's it's okay. I will never do this like? again in my life. You know but it it's not like? horrible. It's like coffee with a kick of a turkey sandwich with with mayo. It no, it's, it's an insane thing to put in coffee. Hey, well, Just a turkey sandwich of mayo minus the turkey sandwich. <laughs> well, yeah, a turkey sandwich of mayo only tastes like mayo because the mayo is very strong. So this is kind of just like coffee with that little turkey sandwich kick. No, okay, I got the mayo on that one. No, <laughs> bad. It's uh unsettling yeah. i mean to be fair to you i think i might have only had the coffee no no you yeah yeah i just, you get it with yeah get, get a sip with the mayo make sure you get the mayo it's not like repulsive but it's repulsive uns- unsettling that's repulsive that's a lunatic that's thing bad to do. no offense will that's that is absurd can i make another amendment yeah it's really bad yeah yeah you're good, if, you're good. yeah if will <laughs> levis beats the the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I'll Don't eat a whole jar on air. Okay. Okay. It's a lot of faith in Mitch Trubisky. Just yeah, especially after the performance we saw from Will Levis, right? Like I'm. This isn't a situation where Will Levis just sort of sat back through for thirty yards and let the defense and Derrick Henry bail him out. He was instrumental in every one of those touchdowns that they scored. Yeah, I mean, look what Will Levis, the main concern for him coming out of Kentucky was not his arm strength like we knew his arm strength was amazing but all the other factors like the ability to make the right play ball placement decision making and at least for one game he answered all those questions about whether he can do that at an elite level it was a good mix of shots downfield plus more precise balls short intermediate accurate put a lot of balls in places only his receivers could make plays he can take this titans offense at least from what it seems like from one one game game, to a level that Tannehill cannot when when was the last time a titans quarterback had four passing touchdowns and no picks must be ages and he i think he can rejuvenate d hop's career (laughs) yeah i mean i think the deandre hopkins point is good right because i think you saw the benefit of having one of those experienced alpha receivers in the room because DeAndre Hopkins on the three touchdown passes he got, insane number, by the way. But on all three of them, he did things that made Will Levis's life easier. Yep. And I think that confidence really made a difference. Because on that clutch fourth quarter, second and 11, over-the-shoulder touchdown pass, that went to Westbrook Akine. But oh, that's that, the that kind of... Was, that was the pass of the It day. was an on-the-money, over-the-shoulder yep. pass straight into the end zone with a cornerback pretty close. If he had not been making those throws to DeAndre Hopkins, he might not have had the confidence to go for that. The Titans offense, you said it. When, like, when's the last time we watched that offense and said, oh, they have a downfield passing attack? Like, I saw Will Levis throw a, a 60-yard bomb touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, when's the last time we saw that? No, the Titans don't do that. Like, you, like, you, had, you had a couple A.J. Brown big plays like that, but it's been a long time since we've seen the Titans 
go down the field that much. And that was fun to see uh, Levis do was just the aggressiveness that he had and really not putting the ball in too much danger. There were a couple throws, but nothing crazy. We have to see him do it again, though. Before I'm ready to say, some yeah, Titans yeah. fans uh, and outlets are really excited and saying, okay, maybe like maybe the season's turned around. And that is a fair question. Like The AFC 7 seed should probably be up for grabs to some degree. Eh, we'll see. Uh, It'll still be tough to real get. Quick. How, many, how many throws did Levis have? He's like, what, like 29. 30? 19 for 29. 19 for 29. Wow, that's crazy. Because I feel like they don't no. let Tannehill throw like more than 15 times a game. It always feels like. Yeah, yeah no, they, you, they let him rip it. You saw something completely different from Will Levis. And I'll say this much. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill is not starting another game for me. <laughs> not because I think Will Levis is going to throw for four touchdowns and zero interceptions every single game. But you just don't – They Ryan Tannehill does not have this kind of upside. You've seen that your young quarterback against the Falcons' defense that, what, they were fourth in points per game this yeah, season? They were their solid. Defense yeah, their defense was statistically solid. Statistically very good this year. Yeah, so the fact that you, Will Levis, are able to step in and throw for four touchdowns when Jared Goff threw for one, you got to play this guy and see what he can do. Yes, he, 100%. He, to me, looked like the total polar opposite of what we've seen Jordan Love be so far. Like he knew Will Levis seemed to know when to take risks downfield, when to play it safe, know who the ball should be going to. So you to. were really, really impressed. But I thought he was awesome. Yeah, I thought he was very, very good. So I, I'm, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't like to jump the gun right away on a rookie who plays one game. But that, I mean, again, it's a week to week show. But rather, so that's, I mean, look, rather this than come out and look horrible. I mean, he looked great. Well, look, here's, here's what I wrote down. I'm pretty confident at the end of the year. And now here's, here's where we get into all the speculative we're stuff. Titans podcast. We're we are, Titans we are, podcast. We like the Titans. They commented on our tech tech video. That's why, that's why we're drinking yeah, coffee. We are a Titans spot. We like the Titans. The Dolphins, Chiefs, Jags, and Bengals, I said. Let's just pretend they win their divisions right now. The Ravens and the Bills I have as wild card teams. Now with the seventh seed, you have teams like the Chargers. You have the Steelers in that mix. You probably have the Browns somewhere in there too. I think that seven seed with for Tennessee, it, this is a huge if, but if Will Levis plays anything like he did this past weekend, yeah, like you could make a little run. I don't think they're going to catch Jacksonville, but you could make a little run at a playoff spot here. And I do think that it's okay to say there there is new hype and rejuvenation to this Texans or Titans roster. Yeah, could you not? I'd be th- through the roof. Yeah, it's what I it's what we want to see from Jaron Hall, Vikings fans. Yeah, what what? Yeah. And now that's a lot to ask for, but. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, you know, last year was bad, but otherwise they'd won what, like six or seven straight against the Jags and like 11 out of the past 12. Like the Titans own the Jaguars. They absolutely have an opportunity to take this division. They have a very good team, Tennessee. Uh, Maybe not very, very good team, but like last year they were a game away from being in the playoffs. They started seven and three. There's no talent on the roster. There's no reason not to believe if, if Will Levis can play at a level somewhat similar I'm not saying quite as good, because I thought he was very good, but somewhat similar to what he showed against Atlanta. There's no reason to believe that they can't play as a seven seed in the AFC. They have the tiebreaker over Cleveland and Chargers. There's a big game Thursday in Pittsburgh, too. So so those three teams I just said, I I wasn't even thinking about this when I said it. The the Browns, the Chargers, and if they beat you guys on Thursday, they would have the tiebreaker over all three of those main competitive teams for the seven seed. Yeah. 
They won't be. And they better go to Pittsburgh and win. Wow. It's that simple. Will Levis, just a few games after his first NFL start, is going to have a huge opportunity. If he wins this, the hype's off the charts. If Will Levis goes against to Pittsburgh at night against TJ Watt and then and wins, it's it's for real. I'll believe. And one last thing here before we close. Uh, You mentioned Ziggy. Should Desmond Ritter suit up next week for the Falcons? Or are you rolling so, Carol Heineke? There's something weird happened at Atlanta. I don't know how closely folks were following this, but Desmond Ritter got pulled mid-game for a concussion check. When he was asked what play he thought it happened on, he said he had no idea and didn't take anything to the head. Then he was cleared to come back and play, and the Falcons still didn't let him come back. Meanwhile, Taylor Heineke steps in, and immediately the offense looks totally different. There's a passing game. It's explosive. He gets a passing touchdown. I get that one passing touchdown doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you've seen the Falcons this year, getting a passing touchdown when you're only playing half a football game really means something. I I personally feel like maybe I'm giving up on these guys too quickly, but I feel like we have seen enough from Desmond Ritter. There's a lot of turnovers. He can't show up when it matters. Meanwhile, Heineke, you're at least getting something out of the guy. And with all the stuff that's around them, you need a quarterback who can produce something. So I'm not playing Desmond Ritter again. And I bet, even though Arthur Smith is hedging, he doesn't want to either because his job is on the line. I, I agree with you. I, I would I would roll to Heineke <laughs> out there because it, he adds another element to their game. Desmond Ritter has had ups and downs this year. The Houston game, he looked really good. Uh, and then he follows it up and you know has a bunch of turnovers in the next game. It's like, I, I want to root for him. But when you saw what Heineke did and how he added a, another dimension to the, for a Falcons team that is actually competing for a playoff spot, even though they don't look like a playoff team all the time, their division is so bad that it's very realistic for them to win the NFC South and ho- not, not just go to the playoffs, host a playoff game. And if you're hosting a playoff game, you can make some noise. All you have to do is, you know, a couple games all bounces your way. You could end up in the divisional round NFC championship. And, you know, it happens sometimes. So if Taylor Heineke gives you the best chance to do that, I know you're hoping Ritter could be the future, but it's hard for me not to roll out the guy that is the best suited to win these games. And who knows, maybe if um, Van Jefferson catches that ball at the end of the game, they go down and and win it at the end. But I I thought Atlanta looked a lot different with Heineke in the offense. Um, We'll see. We'll see what they ultimately decide to do. And Heineke has a decent track record. I love Heineke. He's shown pretty good success in the past. I don't think there's there's much of a question here at all who you roll out next week if you're Atlanta. I mean, if Heineke comes out and he looks good again and wins the game, he's your guy. If he looks bad next week, then you, we, could, we can bring the question again. I think this yeah, is pretty obvious, though. This is the thing, though, right? Like, the, the door just, once this door is open, it will never close. Like I said last week, there are two no two words that destroy a locker room faster than quarterback controversy. And if you're this Falcons team, you are ready to win, right? This is sort of supposed to be their year. I think it is telling that Arthur's well, not your year to win the Super Bowl, but your year to finally start putting something together, Yes, right? They've sucked for a while. This was sort of the year you're going to leave that like post Matt Ryan Hayes when maybe win the easy division, if not get a that NFC seven spot, which like no team in the NFC deserves. It's very so like, well. It would have been it, it would have been the Vikings, but, but yeah. But I just mean I, yeah. Like the fact that Arthur Smith will not commit to a starting quarterback means things could go bad quickly in Atlanta, 
you got to find who the better player is, play him, and win some freaking games already. What if Heineke does come out next week against Minnesota and just looks horrendous? Then, then, you, then, then, the then it's a question again. Yeah, yeah then, then you probably you probably if he looks horrendous, you're going to see Ritter the next week. But yeah. I I think that it's a no brainer for this. Week and you know they're lucky though that Cousins went down because the Vikings were going to go and, and beat up on Atlanta with Kirk. I, I would have no doubt. We, we still might beat up. On I would agree. With I get. You. Yeah. Yeah. The the Falcons being three and a half point favorites, I think, is silly. I think there's a clear drop off when Kirk was healthy. I thought from the top six teams being the Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. Lions, Vikings, and Seahawks. I thought there was a big drop off to the next batch of teams that are playoff football teams. I don't think anyone else was really a, a playoff team in the NFC, even though you have to have one. Yeah, it's I mean, look, look at the teams that are competing for that seven seed, right? It's like the Vikings, let's count them out, right? Yeah. You have the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Commanders. Yeah, so so it's very open for Atlanta. That's why you got to roll out the best guy. We'll see what happens. The um, yeah, I didn't, only didn't include the Falcons because they're technically first in the division right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll wrap up. Are you, you good? Yeah, I'm just so hot on any time touchdowns. It's crazy. Oh, did you hit again? Yeah, we hit again. Wait, wait oh, uh, Jameson Williams? No, Jacobs. No, okay. no, I love Jacobs. When I said if you wanted to sprinkle a Jameson Williams tonight, I wouldn't oh, okay. be a... This guy's no, wait a Jameson Williams might be out of the NFL next year. Do not sprinkle anything on this man. Sure. Well, he, 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 Vegas, he might be. He might be sprinkled. Vegas is winning. Vegas what? is up. Uh, no, it's... Well, first of all, the Lions have been in the red zone three times. It's had a field goal all three times. You have the field goal kicker against me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're right. Jack, had, You're Jack right. had the biggest bullshit win in fantasy over Walking me. Walking trap to go over your trap. Ah. It was horrible. Ziggy, well, I was down like, was I down like six yeah. points, and I had Travis Kelsey versus Gus freaking Edwards, and Gus Edwards has the bailout game of the century. Gus Bus, welcome your trap, Jay take over your trap. Yeah. So the lines have just moved the ball downfield, and that's such a yeah. That's like your first win over me in like six years. I mean, I'm a, I'm a train nine to seven. So what? it's What's, nine to seven. That's so. that's sucked. That is unbelievable bullshit. I was going to the at the one seed. Okay, let's let's finish this here. The final part of our show. We're going to make the case to Zach here for the best team in the AFC. You look up and down the AFC right now. A lot of six and two teams. I believe every division leader at the moment. The Jaguars, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Dolphins are all six and two at the moment. Could be someone else though. The Bills better, are there. The Bengals are there. Give me a good one because Ziggy's on the big screen right now. Oh, Ziggy's on the big screen. Ziggy's got the big screen. Okay, so we're all, we're all going to make the case for the best AFC team right now, Ziggy. If you're on the big screen, you can go first. Yeah, look, I'm going to take the team with the best overall unit in the entire AFC, and that has to be the Miami Dolphins with the Miami Dolphins offense. Now, look, the defense is improving. I get that Jalen Ramsey promised a pick six, and he couldn't get it done. But he got pretty close with his uh, pick field goal, even though Mike McDaniel kind of complained. But look, the defense is getting better. We know this offense is the best in the NFL, and it's not even close. The offense is putting these performances up without being able to get everyone healthy. You give the defense a little bit more time to adapt to the Fangio system. You let the offense keep flying. And this is a team, maybe the only team in the AFC that can keep up and blow past all the contenders. So for me, it's pretty easy. Give me the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Fins up, boys. Fins up. Fins up. Hey, we are a Dolphins. Oh, real quick, to some degree. Are, you, are you now a Dolphins fan now that your cousin's hurt? I mean, as we're four and four, so I'm still, you know, well, first off, I'm always 
Well, yeah, you're always a yeah, big yeah. Fan. like I'm always a, like it's not yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't do the second fandom things or anything like that. But I always pull for the Dolphins because of of you and my uncle. So yes, I I, I would say once the Vikings are eliminated, I will be pulling. For my I also season. love South Florida. It's yeah, always it's just sunny nice. there. I like, to, best, I like to. Uh, I like Mike McDaniel. The they're they're an easy team to root for. Yeah, turn on the Dolphins game. No they're one's fun. there, but like it's sunny. It's bright. <laughs> it's, it's, everybody's there. It's sold out nowadays. <laughs> Everyone's on the beach. And the- yeah, but no one's there. But it's sunny. It's bright. I wouldn't be there either. Can you blame him? You all right? You you want to go, Jack? Yeah, I'll go. Ziggy, like you're a beautiful fool. You know that you're beautiful, beautiful fool. Because you're picking the team who can't beat other good teams. And the Miami Dolphins. Again, love the Dolphins. But next week, they play the Kansas City Chiefs, who are off a loss. Think Chiefs are losing two games in a row? Hell no. Yes. So that's a, so a two-game lead over the Dolphins right there. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the best player in the world, the team who's the one seed every single year. I will pick the Chiefs until somebody else can dethrone them. I'm not panicking over one loss at Denver. Bad loss, for sure. I get it. Terrible loss. You get over it. Great coach. Good team. I will pick the team who's been the number one seed every year with the best quarterback I've ever seen. And I will not pick against them until somebody shows me that they don't belong at the top. So I'll be taking Kansas City. How can you not? Okay. That's fair. It's never a bad thing to take Patrick Mahomes. But someone else show me they can be the one seed and I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll consider it. Well, but, there is there's one man who's been able to take down Patrick Mahomes and that's Joe Burrow. And I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. So if you have the Chiefs losing, what, three more games? No way. No, I'm saying the most dangerous team in the AFC. I'm sorry. Not necessarily the one. Just the most Almost dangerous, dangerous team. I think you'd still stand by the I Chiefs. I'd probably still stand Chiefs, yeah. But I'm saying Cincinnati Bengals right now. Three wins in a row. We talked about it at the top of the show. Joe Burrow is healthy now. And this offense is rolling. Jamar Chase has had almost 400 yards the past three games. T. Higgins looks involved again. Joe Mixon involved. The defense... Players are stepping up. They, I mean, Lou Anarumo has a great defense. Uh, he's one of the best defensive minds in football. If there's one person in the NFL, or two, I would say two people in the NFL you are scared of coming into your building in a playoff game, it would be Patrick Mahomes, who's never done it before, but it would also be Joe Burrow. He's the one guy that we've seen be able to go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. And uh, with the way they're playing right now, when they get the ball rolling... I, I don't bet against them, even even against Mahomes at times. So I, I like Cincinnati at the at this point in time. Zach, you uh, have now heard three <laughs> yeah. very persuasive. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about three of the great football minds of yeah. a generation right here presenting yeah, arguments. Probably the three greatest. Yeah. It's like Who Ziggy. I take personally, I'm taking Ziggy all day. Personally, I'm It's because I made the best arguments, yeah, right? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think I do have to go with Mr... Paul Farrington of the Paul Farrington yes. show on this one. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten chosen for I think it is. Yeah, I think you guys it is. are like you guys are like three and four wins each, and I'm this is the first one. The Bengals not a bad argument. That's I mean that's yeah. decent pack. I, just, that I don't know. I don't. The, yeah, the Bengals are certainly looking good. Like they're certain. I would just. I'd uh, like to see a little bit more. They're just doing that thing again, right? They did, they're doing the same thing they did last they year. They just come on. They they suck in the beginning. Everybody's like, oh, they suck, they suck, they suck, and then all of a sudden they're just blowing out teams. I actually think a fair comparison could be your performance on the show today, Zach. The first, like, first good majority of the opening of the show, Zach's dying in the corner. And all of a sudden now, he just yeah. turns on the charm, and it's like, wait a second, this guy is, is unbelievable. Why is he not on the mic more often? Yeah. He should be. So I, I think that you're sort of pulling a Cincinnati Bank. This game upcoming for the Bengals against Buffalo at home at night, huge. So we have, we have Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City, Miami this week. Yep. Well, Kansas is that, City, is Miami that this week? is... Uh... 
in Germany this week. No, no, it's in Germany, but like those, there's no bye weeks or anything no, when we look at the schedule. No. Dude, I mean oh, wait, that it's is in Frankfurt, Germany. I don't, I don't even know where Frankfurt is. Germany. Oh, somewhere thank you. In, <laughs> somewhere in Germany. That's uh, wow. I mean, those are two. Ziggy got anywhere for us? I'm pretty sure. So like Frankfurt is like it's central Germany, but it's to the like southwestern side of the center <laughs> a little see bit. This guy. <laughs> No, no, no. So, like, yeah, you don't have a visual mind. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a map out where it is. Okay, okay. So, Ziggy has said that he does not have a visual mind, which makes me question how you see a map in your head. Oh, I I don't see a map. I just know its relations to the other places. But, like, yeah, I mean, if Andrew Fullwider, he still lives in Germany, is watching this, he'll know. I'm surprised they're having the game in Frankfurt, honestly, because Frankfurt is not exactly the best part of Germany. Isn't Frankfurt the capital of Kentucky also? I think it is. Yeah. Or, or I just I saw it. the Dolphins players got a warning not to go out alone in Frankfurt. <laughs> wow, like they I might get know. mugged. I mean, I would probably take the Dolphins players over anybody trying to mess with them. Unless, I don't know, man. Germans unless, Germans are unless they got weapons. I actually I actually thought from other than, you know, a while ago. The, I think the Germans for the most part nice people, people say. It's the French who are the uh Yeah. <laughs> The French are the ones that you don't. Want if they're, uh, you know what, you know what I imagine they're doing. I bet they're going to see the Goethe House. That's probably where they're going. I, I mean, this is not the this is not the crowd to be bringing up random places in Germany. Right? Do, do, do you know who you know who Goethe is, right? You know Goethe. Come Goethe? on, who you know Goethe. I've heard of the the, heard. the the like the most famous German writer in history. Oh, oh. I, I mean, I guess I've heard. Yeah, Goethe. I mean, his his adaptation of Faust is way better than that hack Marlowe. Because right. like, come on, everyone I food knows. at home. Yeah, yeah we're sorry. We're sorry. I will say one thing, and you brought up our friend Andrew Fullwider, who I don't think he listens anymore. But Fullwider came on when we were younger, <laughs> uh, at the very start of the show, first first year we ever did it, six years ago, and. He brought up all he wanted to talk about was the World Cup, and his topic selection was the Egyptian national team led by Mosala. And it's the only time we've ever talked Egyptian soccer on the show. Questionable topic selection at best from uh, from Andrew, but it was a great, it was one of our favorite shows we've ever done before. It's one of my favorite episodes we've recorded. Oh, you branched out and you found success. Yeah, we branched out. So that's a great day. A lot of Collins. All right, we will wrap up today's show with that, with Andrew Fuller. You know, you never know what you're going to get. We opened the show with the Kirk Cousins yeah. obituary, and now uh, we end with Mo Salah and Egyptian soccer. Teacher? Oh, it's uh, our friend. I mean, I am looking here at the coffee. Guys, you do, do not put mayo in. Look at that. All right. That's disgusting. disgusting. All right, we'll just yeah, we'll here, do no, here's what I'll say another, real quick. Another. No, I'll I'm say it real starving. quick because we're never going to talk about this again. Very briefly. No, if we bits the Steelers, we'll talk about it again. Oh, okay. All right. We'll hold the story. There's a... I unfortunately... I'm just tell it. Just tell it. No, no, it's fine. I unfortunately bullied one of our, our high school teachers with mayonnaise. That can be our cliff. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional. Like, I, I, I'll just say it so we could, we could get it over with here. We had a professor who... Or a teacher who was... Did not like white substances like mayo or cream cheese or butter. Wait, what do you mean he didn't like white substances? He he, <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't, right? As Crazy. as, as a, I, I believe as a kid, he just had cream cheese sandwiches every day of his life, and then he said one day his classmates were like, "What the hell is that?" He said, "Cream cheese sandwich," and they're like, "That's not a normal thing to eat," and he became repulsed by the like white spreads, basically. Um, you know, and I, okay, I, I kind of get that. I would be scarred too if I were scarred. Yeah, scarred, scarred from it. Yeah. And um, I didn't understand the extent to that fear. So at the end, at the end of uh, I believe like tenth or eleventh grade, 
one of our classmates brought in a thing of cream cheese and was going to leave it on the desk, like just to mess around. Again, we thought he just didn't like it. Um, my friend got too nervous to put it on the desk. I was like, oh, what the hell are we talking about? Like, yeah, just put it on the desk. So I put it on the desk. We all leave the room. We all like run out of the room. You know, we're like 15, uh, giggling. The next year at lunch, the teacher comes up to me and he's just like, Paul, he's like, yeah, that prank last year. Uh, he's like, that was jarring. I had to have another professor come into the room and remove the cream cheese from my desk. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so, I am so sorry. I did not realize it went that deep. I thought that we was just like, you know, oh, here's some cream cheese. Like, yeah, you know, we know you hate this stuff, but all right. Um, no, it was actually a real, like, I don't want to say fear, but there's, there's a strong, strong disliking from this teacher to the white substances. So yeah, he would, be He's miserable. got PTSD. PTSD. He would be miserable here. Looking at this, this is disgusting. I don't know how Will Levis does that. Oh. So with that, we will wrap up. And we will see you for the week nine prediction show. Please uh, like, comment, subscribe to the channel. If, if you can't get enough of this content, hit that subscribe button. And, and you'll hear more stories about teachers disliking cream cheese and mayonnaise, whipped cream, and, and other white substances. Other white substances. <laughs> we could go further, but we will not. We'll see you for the week nine show.